Welcome to Out of the Comfort Zone. When you lead from a base of expertise, your confidence and credibility are derived from your knowledge. People follow you as a result. However, when you take a stretch assignment and span outside of your comfort zone, leading requires a different approach, one of influence, inspiration, compromise, and courage. We are here to talk about how to take that next step and keep going. Now, here is your host, Wanda Wallace. Welcome to Out of the Comfort Zone. All right, virtual meetings, they're here and they're going to be here for a while and probably increasing in numbers, if my guesses are right, not just for this year, but for many years to come. So now we know in a face-to-face meeting that the importance of presence, connecting with the audience, projecting confidence, that all of those are key to your effectiveness, your ability to influence um, the things that you want to have come out of that meeting. But now we have to ask the question of what does all of that look like in the virtual world? So some of the some things are the same and some things aren't. And that's what we want to talk about today. So I have a super fantastic guest for this topic. It's Suzanne Senna. She's a national news anchor, an Emmy nominated TV host and founder of Senna Series Media Training. And Suzanne trains executive celebrities, athletes, and entrepreneurs for media appearances, public speaking engagements, and now virtual meetings, showing everybody how to be a VIP, which stands for, in her world, virtually impactful person. I love that. She's also known as the Confidence Catalyst, and she has a podcast called The Confidence Connection, Building Trust in a Virtual World. Now, just for fun, I have to tell you a little bit about Suzanne's background because I find it fascinating. So she actually really is an entertainer. So she got her first big break when she landed in entertainment um, as an entertainment reporter for E! Exclamation Entertainment TV. And then she pitched her own show, Out to Lunch, which was in the early days of showcasing celebrity lives. And so she would take people dining with some of Hollywood's top actors She was nominated for an Emmy Award for the show Celebrity Homes, where she was delving into the personal lives of some of the famous icons that we know. And she's covered award shows, premiere shows, a whole host of things with some very famous actors like Matt Damon and Ben Affleck and Julia Roberts, Sean Connery, just to name a few we could go on. And then next, Senna continued in her television journey on Extra. If in the U.S., you know that as a show that comes on nightly after the evening news. She's also been guest hosting on the TV show Live with Regis. And then she ultimately landed a national news desk with Fox Channel and to in the flagship morning show Fox and Friends, as well as the popular late night talk show Red Eye with Greg Gutfield. So, Quite a background and what a great background for talking about how do we communicate effectively, show the right persona, have the right level of confidence in a virtual world. Suzanne, welcome to the show. Wanda, thanks for having me. I listened to that uh, long list of things and I sound like I'm 80 years old, like I've had <laughs> a lot in my past, but you, you bring up a really great point right away when you say who better to talk about being in a virtual world. It's fascinating to me because I have been a broadcaster my whole life, basically, and most people have not. And there is a skill, a comfort level, uh, there is just a whole psychology involved with what it's like to be talking to a camera as if you're talking to a person. And I think our whole world has gone virtual, and I think it's here to stay. 
I think it is too, at least in some form, I think it's here to stay. It may morph. We may have some mix of in-person and non-in-person, but we're going to have to learn how to do this camera thing well and influence well and do all of that stuff, I think, to have any impact. Okay. So why you have a broadcasting career, how did you get started on this journey of coaching CEOs to be behind the camera? What, what got started with that? It's funny how life you know, evolves and how our paths go in unforeseen directions. Because I never set out to be a broadcaster. I was trained, you know, from a a young age in my household to be thinking of making a living and, you know, um, go into something that's more steady than television or anything like that. Um, But I did follow sort of my dreams of of wanting to be an actor. And one thing kind of led to another. And, you know, after I ended up being a broadcaster, I'd have a lot of time on my hands when I would be between news breaks, for instance. It really started happening when I was at the Fox News Channel. It's one of the most uh, popular cable news channels, and I was a breaking news anchor, meaning I would have lots of time, maybe an hour between news breaks, sometimes longer. And during that time, our interns would come to me and ask me if I could help them learn to use the teleprompter. And sure, why not? You know, I I wanted to help others out. And I also just realized really quickly that I had a way of breaking things down that were quickly understood and shortcuts. And to speak to somebody as a talent, an on-camera talent, to somebody who's not one yet, to give them the shortcuts and that perspective. Because a lot of media trainers actually have never worked on television, which I think is interesting. Um, But As I started doing that, I moved back to LA and decided I wanted a little more control over my financial future. So in addition to going into contracts for broadcasting, I started doing official media training. That started with exactly what it sounds like. Um, Executives who need to go and speak on television, um, a CEO needs to talk to somebody, the press wants to talk to an executive to help them learn what we look for in television as as a reporter producer. And I found that, gee, I... I'd know the questions to ask. They likely would be asked because that had been my role. And that just caught on. This was a decade ago now. And it just spread like wildfire. I didn't advertise and one person told another. And, uh, you know, fortunately, I do good work and and word got around and here I am. Yeah, I find a lot of media trainers and I've worked with some very good ones, had some great ones on the guest as well on the podcast. But many of them come at this from a writing point of view. So they're going to ask you a tough question. How do you answer the tough question so that they write the right things? But your angle is different. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's, that's wise. And it's definitely an important part of it. And I think there's great value to that. And since they're focusing on that, they're probably hyper great at it, you know, so attuned to that. But I take on a lot more of the psychological aspect. I keep going back to that. I'm not trained in psychology officially, but I feel like having been on the inside minds of so many accomplished people that I do understand a lot of what it feels like. So you can have the best answer in the world, but if you freeze up, it doesn't matter. And if you try to memorize an answer, that's not going to work either. So I take similar types of things. You know, I, I will definitely anticipate the questions. I'm working with somebody right now with what I would call crisis management. Um, she's high profile. Um, there's been a semi-scandal um, around her, um, but how does she go to the press and talk? So it involves a lot of let's be careful to avoid these words. Let's use these words instead of those words. Here are some great answers, but it has to ultimately be what does she sound like on her own? 
How do we keep this true to her? And then how do I calm her down so that she feels like she's talking to a person and not to the world and uh, that she's not being judged? So I do think that my, my approach is sort of a broader reach from the perspective of what the person's going through when they're on camera. I think we could all use that advice about what words to use, how to present it so you feel like you're talking to a real person every day in just their normal working crises, let alone something that's in the public media. Okay, I got to dive into this one because you have done some wonderful works and has some lovely guides on the do's and don'ts of the virtual world. And you say, welcome to the world of broadcasting. So tell us what the big categories are for do's and don'ts. Well, I feel I break it down into four separate areas, and certainly there are, are tons, but the basics are, you know, your physical location and the physical equipment, all the physicality that goes into it. What are you presenting on? Uh, what kind of lighting do you have? What kind of sound do you have? And all of that. Um, delivery is very, very important. And that's something I've taught all these years and having to be on camera, how to be relatable on camera, how to sound interesting, how to be dynamic and all of that. Then there's content. And Wanda, you know this because we've all been in those meetings that seem to just drag on. Well, when you're in a boardroom and you're able to have a PowerPoint and you're a physical person right next to it, that's great. When you're doing that on a screen, you're looking about postage stamp size in the corner, and you've got to cut down those slides. You've got to keep it more concise. So content has to change as well. And uh, you need to become more of a storyteller to keep people engaged. And then finally, as you've heard me mention already, it's the psychology. It's getting a better grasp of how to feel comfortable because you can learn to be comfortable. You can learn to be more confident. And, um, and there's, again, if you know it's learnable, I think that right away takes a little bit of the fear. You aren't just great or not. There are so many things, little tips that can make big, big differences. Big differences. It's interesting. We're going to come back and talk about the psychology and the confidence in great detail, especially in the second segment here. But I find that whatever you're thinking in your head is what is showing in your body. And if you can get control of the tape in your head, then you got a better chance of showing the side you want to show of yourself. Well, that's absolutely for sure. And I think the problem is you hear that phrase um, that, you, that you've got in your head, that you're in your head, and um, you really need to be present and trust when you know your information. And preparation is so huge for that. I mean, if you're an expert in something or you know, whatever division you might work in, you certainly have the information inside of you. But if you don't have it organized, if you don't have it prepped, you can find yourself with that extra pressure of the camera and feeling right. like you have to really perform, stumbling for words, right. uh, not sure of how to drive the conversation. Before you know it, 40 minutes have gone by and you haven't even gotten to the point. So. Right. Yeah, we've been in a few of those meetings, all of us, I think, in the world. All right, so let's go back to the four, physical, the delivery, content, and the psychology. Yes. So talk to us about the physical, because as we're all sitting in our non-office environment and struggling with the equipment, kind of help us walk through what do we do, what do we not to do? Okay, so I have so much I could say on this. I'm going to start with just the basic physical requirements. And I'm still shocked because I join meetings all the time. And I, I can't believe that people still have their computers way down below them and are, are looking you know, down into it. You're looking up into their noses. And, and it's such a simple thing to fix. I'm using a desktop right now. But I have something I actually physically brought to show you. This is a riser. 
And it is the greatest invention for virtual meetings ever because you can put your laptop on it because you can lift it then and have it more at eye level. You know, it's always confusing where you should be looking. I try to check this out ahead of time. You can actually look into the camera. That's great. You can look just below the camera. But when you're looking up and everyone else is like, or you're looking down and everyone's looking up, that's unflattering. Lighting is so key. Can I demonstrate the difference? Yes. So I, of course, do this for a living. So I have a lot of lights. People don't have to go to this extreme. Um, But you need to add a light. If you have no lights, I'm going to turn off each of my lights one by one. I have your basic ring light, which yes, you can see if I do this and I try to keep my head down a little bit so you can't see that as often with my glasses, but I'm going to turn the ring light off. And this is the look with that. I've got another light here I'm going to turn off, which gives me a little fill below, but this is my favorite. And we're going to come to talk about this a little bit later for other reasons in this conversation. But now I'm going to turn off my key lights and only one is showing. So here we go. So this is me with no light. And this is what some people are still doing, or they put up a little light, but each of these lights Fills up. This is, I could go just with this, and this would be great because at least you can see me. And people have to understand the lighting is not about trying to look glamorous or beautiful, although it can definitely help. Um, but it's really about looking like you're there because you don't sit in the dark in a one on one real meeting. So you don't want to sit in the dark for this either. Right. So when you can tell with each light I'm adding, there's some warmth, you know, there's just a little yeah. more brightness. And, um, and that's a big thing. Um, so we're still just on physical. Is that right? We are on physical, but I want to make a comment about the lights before you go on from there, because I think this is such an easy thing to fix and we don't even understand it. You know, everybody's worried about what's in my background. And there's been all this social commentary about who has got good background. What's nice is when you put the lights on, I don't notice the background right? because I'm seeing you, you stand out in it. And I know it's one of the things that I struggle with. How do I get the light in front of me right without too much light behind me? So I've got, you know, the fill problem. You described a thing called a ring light. And I'm going to bet that a lot of people don't know what that is. So would you explain? It's so fascinating to me because it's they're practically sold out all the time on Amazon now. But a ring light, you can get as inexpensively as about $12. And it's simply a little, here, I'll show you. See this? See my glasses? Yeah. The ring. It goes around the camera. And it just provides soft lighting and gives something to the face right away. Um, It's pretty much a necessity for just your basic, let's try to look like a real person accessory. Um, They come in big sizes. Ideally, your lighting needs to be in front of you. And that's a problem for some people. I have a desk that's against a wall. So I sit a little further back and I have my lights very strategically placed that way. But if you put a light to the side or a light behind you, that's just not going to do it. A ring light can be um, as much as, uh, well, you can spend any amount of money, but we have some large size ones as well. Um, and it just, it, that's all you really need. If you have one good ring light, that'll help a lot. Um, I do want to say about the background, like right now, I'm wanting this to be casual um, because we're speaking from home. I have done some television appearances from home, but I don't use this background because I don't want it to be at all distracting. I actually have a physical setup that's somewhere else, but for my day-to-day, one place. So another recommendation I have is you set up a place that you know consistently is going to work for you. And that takes away some of the fear as well. The lighting is going to change all day long where I am because I have windows all over my my office. So what I have right now that at least controls the light around me is I bought one of those um, student project boards. 
for about $8 and it's a big old cardboard thing. It just sits there and it blocks my window. So I can at least control this environment around me. So I know I put a lot of thought into it, but you know, like you said, you want people to be focusing on you and they need to see you and just think about things like how friendly we think somebody is or just those initial impressions we make. And let's be honest, in today's world, if you look like you have no idea what you're doing virtually, that's not going to impress people in your company. They're not going to want you to make the presentations. They're not going to feel comfortable hiring somebody who doesn't know how to operate anything virtually. It's, it's critical at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Talk to me for a minute about body language. Okay. So I know Mm -hmm. in a face-to-face presentation that there's so much that's communicated by the animation of my body, my hands, my movement, a lot of information is communicated. But if I start using my hands on Zoom, it's really weird really quickly. So, you know, what do we do? Do we sit still? Do we not? How do you handle this one in terms of the body postures? It's a great question, um, Wanda, because you're right. We do want you to be natural. If you bring your hands up, this is going to drive people crazy. And if your internet is slow, that's going to accentuate it because you'll be moving your hand and it will go, you know, like that. (laughs) So, um, but it is important to remember that you want to be seen as three-dimensional, lifelike. So right now you and I have, have great movement, which is if you notice, I'm going to exaggerate just a little bit, but I'm using my shoulders. And when I do that, my head moves. And it's not crazy, you know, but there's life. Here's what we see a lot. That is not somebody who's engaged. Just the way you would be with in a person sitting at a table having coffee or lunch or something, you need to have that kind of comfort level. A lot of people who haven't experienced this, haven't been trained, haven't practiced, um, they freeze up and they think they're going to look foolish. The only way you can really realize that you don't is to record yourself. And play it back. And so that you can see, that's what we do in media training. Because we'll tell people, you think you're smiling, but you're not. No, no, I am. I am. And then they go, so I always put the volume off. And I say, now what you're talking about, is that a good thing? Or is that a bad thing? <laughs> we should be able to see it, right? right. And right. even something as simple as a smile, that is so basic. But it's one of the simplest, quickest tips for just having a better, more friendly delivery. Right. I notice when there's a group of people on a call, whether it's Zoom or whatever media that you use, that one person is speaking. Okay, great. But everybody else's faces are usually visible and people are doing the darndest things. And you wonder, what are you doing? Like you're not making your colleagues look good. You're looking disinterested. You look like you're typing. I mean, seriously, get get it together. And we sit there and stare with our faces all scrunched up, you know, (laughs) because we're concentrating or we need glasses or something. And then it looks, the interpretation is different than that one. Okay. You've actually just given me a whole new category that I'm going to add in my checklist. I'm going to call it virtual etiquette because (laughs) you're right. You know, for instance, you know, I have some water here. I'm not going to sit here and do this. (laughs) But when people, but I took a sip there. See how I did that? Yeah. But, you know, when people aren't speaking, they, they think they can. All you have to do is turn off your camera if you need to do something personal for a minute. Exactly. But otherwise, be engaged because it's distracting to the presenter if you're not. Right. Right. Okay. So we were talking about the physical. We were talking about the lighting. We're talking about getting the camera up at your eye level. Use a riser. Use books if you have to. Uh-huh. Anything that gets that camera you want to be sort of looking towards the camera as opposed to looking up, I think you said was the worst. Or down. Or down. You have to sit at your desk and you're looking down at your laptop. It's the 
sure. And I don't want to be so stiff that there is no animation in my shoulders and in my head and a pleasant smile. Okay, so let's move on and talk about delivery for a little bit. I think we've been bleeding into that anyway, but tell me what's the key about delivery. Well, one of the things you just mentioned again is the animation. You know, that's something that people need to do as better speakers anyway, is get comfortable using their space. You know, this is a big square. We have a rectangle right now. We want to fill it to have a presence. You know, right now my arms are open a little bit, but I could be sitting like this and there's an instant difference in how I'm going to come across, whether it's like diminutive or if I'm going to be powerful and confident. And delivery is very important. Vocal inflection, more important now than ever because you need to keep people their attention. And that's true again, even when you're speaking in a room with people, but more so now than ever. You know, we can use our voice so many different ways. We can change the volume. We can actually make a point and get more passionate with that volume. And it does make a difference. Also, people don't realize punctuating like that, pausing like that. It just is it's all about that storytelling. Being a better storyteller in the delivery, is, it, you have to ask yourself, if I'm talking to four-year-olds, how am I going to keep them interested? And believe it or not, Nine times out of 10, when I do this exercise with speakers, they're shocked to see that when they play it back, and I, it, it works for anyone. But we lose our inhibitions when we think we're talking to kids. But you want to keep it interesting. That's very important. Delivery, also the words we use. Because we have less time, because we need to take less time, we need to have our messages become more concise and precise. So with that being said, Think of the difference between the words um, learn and discover. There are words that are proven to be more persuasive than others. So I could say, today we're going to learn this, this, and the other. Or I'll say, today we're going to discover something that's going to change your life. And discover has this sense of excitement and mystery and something interesting that's going to happen. So choosing better words, shorter sentences. In comedy, they call it trimming the fat. Whatever you write as your presentation, cut it in half. You should be able to make, it will always be stronger, by the way, when you lose words, because you have to keep the meat of it. And you want to leave room for questions and answers anyway. So shorter is always better. So you have to ask yourself, you know, how am I delivering this? Am I making it interesting? Am I choosing great words? What's my body language say? And do I look like I have a stomach ache? (laughs) Or do I look like I'm enjoying what I'm doing? I love that. Um, One of my pet peeves when I listen to people try to be influential Mm -hmm. in front of a group internally, usually rather than with clients, is they take forever to get the sentence out. Yeah, You're waiting. And I often say, you know, you've got about 30 seconds before I don't care what the point is. So get to the point. And you're saying the same thing here. We have so much fluff in our language that you just have to focus yeah, we really need to cut it down. And by the way, all of these tips, not only good for virtual, but seriously great in general. Wanda, at the beginning of this, you mentioned that many of these tips will help you just in life. This is so true. And that's what we always find with media training anyway, is whatever skills learned aren't just applicable to a media appearance or a public speaking engagement. They'll, these skills will help you get a loan better because your banker is going to trust you more. These skills right. will help you convince your children to do something that you want them to do. You'll be more influential overall. So these tips really 
our kind of for life. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Well, I did see that one too. All right. So we got the delivery, we got the animation, I've got the vocal inflection, the pauses, the rises, the volume. I've got great words like discover versus learn. I'm going to remember that one myself. And then to get concise, take your words, cut them in half and punctuate them. All right. So that's the delivery side. Now let's go to the content side. What is it about the content that we need to focus on? Number one, and it goes along with that delivery and being concise with your words, be concise with your slides. You know, people tend to use too many slides anyway in Mm -hmm. their presentations, but now more than ever, they have to be just cut, cut, cut. The other thing people do is put too many words. What they do is they write a presentation and then they literally put word for word on their slides and then they read from the slides. That's not the point. You know, you go back and Google and see uh, Steve Jobs do a, a presentation and look at the slides. They accentuate, they illustrate, they entertain but they never say word for word. Uh, boy, oh boy, I could just do some major surgery on, on presentations of a client who recently did a wonderful webinar. And it was just all so beautiful, except that the first time she gave it to me, presented to me for practice, I couldn't even keep track of what she was trying to teach us because there was just too much on the screen, too much. And she was just reading, reading along. So that's the main thing with the content. The other thing is that I talked about being animated but I made a reference earlier to becoming a storyteller. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. statistics are great. Statistics are wonderful. Um, All sorts of facts are going to be necessary, but if they don't resonate, if they don't stick with people, then they're worthless. That's again, always true. But now, especially in a virtual world, um, you know, you really need to be able to convince people of things by telling stories, examples from your own life. And also briefly, Pull in some of your personal stories. Make the content more personal now because let's face it, you're in my home. Right. So, you know, if something strange happened as I was walking to my desk, I might open a presentation by, by mentioning that because we can all relate. Relatability is so key. But the content, storytelling, illustrating through example, um, using dynamic language and things in your content, delivering content really do intertwine quite a bit. Yeah, that I find, you know, people who give great presentations and they have one or two numbers, hmm. like there's, if there's one number I want you to remember, it's that 80% of communication is communicated through the body, in other words, as an example, just a single fact carries so much more weight than this run of litany where I'm trying to prove that I know a whole bunch of stuff, as an example. 100% so think, correct. Think about what you want to stick yeah. And clearly I need to hire you on my presentation on my slides. I don't like using slides. I hate them. <laughs> I'd rather never use them. Nobody likes using slides. Nobody likes any, trust me right now. I've seen some great presentations that have just been the person, no mm-hmm. slides. I mean, then you feel like you're having a conversation. That's my so way. a different approach now it really has to be. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to focus on the next episode in the next segment on the psychology and getting comfortable and confident. I just want to focus on the one thing that you say that that is a learnable skill. About uh, the confidence? Confident. Uh huh. Yes. Do you want me to talk about that now or after? I think there's probably a good place to hold that for the break. Um, Let's see. Is there anything we missed that we need to cover before we pause? Well, I think one thing I just like to add, because it helps with the psychological tremendously aspect of this, but also all of it, practice. People don't think of practicing. 
You know, I have, we, if you have Zoom account, you have a personal meeting ID. You can literally call a friend and say, hey, hop on with me for a minute. Let's check this out. Before I met with you this morning, I made sure everything was the way I wanted to. I went to my own personal meeting ID. I pulled it up. I took a screenshot. I want to make sure, oh, whoops, I didn't, forgot to move that suitcase that was right. <laughs> um, but practice, really, it doesn't have to make perfect, but it takes away a lot of the unknowns. And you're going to get better when you try out a few different things and go, wait, oh, wait, that worked. I like it. Oh, I like when my voice went up. Or, oh, I like that I'm wearing this instead of the black or whatever. So, you know, practice is so key to all of it. Why would anybody go into the virtual world and try it out for real in a majorly important meeting without practice? I see we see that about the the face to face world too. So one of my folks that I have worked with in London, who's a great communication specialist in general, and his biggest complaint is you spend how many hours and days preparing a pitch for a client. So all of that effort and everything comes down to not the content in the pitch book, but your delivery. Why wouldn't you spend a day getting your delivery polished? And I always think that what a great insight, this notion of practicing. But you're right on Zoom or on whatever media you're using. You can do a personal meeting, hit the record button, turn off the volume, check how you look and how you sound when you're just sitting there without saying anything. And don't accept mediocrity. Don't accept it. Oh, I don't have any good lights. I don't have it. There's just no room for it. Or do accept mediocrity and you're going to fall to the bottom of the pack when it comes to success in this virtual world. Okay, perfect. All right. My guest today is Suzanne Senna. Suzanne has a podcast called The Confidence Connection, Building Trust in the Virtual World. And she also runs her own business at the moment, Senna Senna Series Media Training. I don't know why I'm stumbling on that one. And you can tell why, because all sorts of fabulous tips for how to survive in this virtual world. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk about that lovely thing called confidence and connection and how do you do it virtually. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you want more information on the articles, books, coaching, and seminars we offer, go to our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. You're sure to find some helpful links, videos, and more to help you create a winning strategy for your organization. Leadership Forum, Inc., helping organizations get it and keep it. This is Wanda Wallace, host of Out of the Comfort Zone. Do you find yourself in a role where your team knows more than you know? Are you struggling to see how you now add value? For years, I've coached leaders who have moved beyond the comfort zone of their expertise and have developed a methodology to help them make the leap and go on to do more. All of those tips are now packed into my new book, You Can't Know It All. Visit our website at leadership-forum.com or tune in to Out of the Comfort Zone for more insight. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Leading outside of your comfort zone is a delicate balance. You need new skills and new ways of working. 
To reach the program today, send an email to wanda.wallace at leadershipforuminc.com. That's wanda.wallace at leadershipforuminc.com. Now, back to Out of the Comfort Zone. Welcome back. With me today is Suzanne Senna. Suzanne is the founder of Senna Series Media Training. She also has a podcast, The Confidence Connection, Building Trust in a Virtual World. And we have been talking about what the virtual world is like, communicating effectively, connecting, making an impact virtually. And we talked about four big components. One is the physical space that you're in, the physical presence, the physical appearance, the lighting. Second is the delivery, the way you come across and deliver those words, the animation, the great words, the conciseness. We've talked about the content, the need to have memorable facts or to tell a story. And we have talked, mentioned at least the psychology, the confidence and getting comfortable with that and the connection. And that's what I want to focus on now in the second half here. So I want to start first, Suzanne, with this notion of connection. If there is a single question I get over and over and over again, it's first off, how do I make that connection with people and how do I do that in a virtual world? And we know if you don't connect with your audience or you don't connect with your client, you're not going to land that sale. So what's secret to this in building that connection? Well, you know, sales 101 is even in a regular world is to find the commonalities, right? So do your research ahead of time and find out what things you might connect with, with that person so that you can have some conversation that's personal that they can relate to. It can be something as simple as, do they have children? So much information is available to us these days. And if you have children and your your person you're meeting with and you know they're similar age or anything, that's a great starting place. Um, asking questions and caring um, a little more than usual, because again, we're not there to, to sort of feel someone else's presence. Right now, you're on a screen and that's it, you know, but I'm, I am looking around and I want to say, and if I were just meeting you the first time, I'd, I'd want to say your, your place is beautiful. And I would just start with that um, because it is and it's genuine. And maybe we'd start to talk about that, where you're located, where I'm located and those types of things. Um, that's just really important to make that connection. The other thing, Wanda, is that what we lose is primarily sensory, okay? We no longer can have the scent of a candle um, or roses or flowers I see behind you or anything that you can smell. You no longer can tell what your temperature is in your room versus mine. We can't um, hear all the same things. We're in our little bubbles here. So the more you can bring in sensory um, aspects of it, the more you are going to also make that connection. And you, it can be as simple as saying, what's the weather like there right now? And I can tell you that I walk outside a few minutes ago and it's almost 100 degrees. Oh and at least, at least there's a sense of that century. Yes, you know? Right. So in the sales, especially, that's, that's so important when you're trying to describe a product right. or something like that. You know, I talk to people all the time about this connection. Relationships is my big thing. You know, how do we improve the relationships? The quality of the conversations is sort of, I think, the secret sauce in all of this. And if you talk with a professional salesperson, they will say that you have to build that connection. And if you've ever been around somebody who's a professional salesperson and watch them work a room, they build connection quickly with everybody they meet. And they're just like they just have at their fingertips ways of doing it. 
So, and I meet people who do that brilliantly with their customers and clients and forget that it's the same set of skills with their colleagues. Turn it in. You want to have a good relationship with that person. You got to make a connection with what's it going to be. So, and you're right. Currently, there's so many comments about people's artwork or about where are you these days? So many people are dislocated from their homes. There's lots that we can talk about. There is, you know, going back to acting and training and acting, sometimes you have to do an audition with uh, a person and instantly create chemistry, have chemistry. So there has been a time when I've even trained people who are doing that to how do you get the chemistry going? And again, it goes back to commonalities and being genuinely interested. Relationships are so key, as you said, you know, when you watch television, you say, oh, that's somebody's television way. Or that someone, you know, like a, a co-hosting situation on your morning shows. You right. like the chemistry, you like the banter. We can have that with our colleagues, as you said. And it's about knowing them, right? And imagine that, well, here's a great example. I was a virtual MC last week for a wonderful conference, a financial conference. And they had an event where I was also uh, moderating taking questions from the audience and talking to the experts. Well, I saw that somebody, a name popped up, but there was no video. And I called this person out. I said, oh, look who's here. And I said, join us, Darlene. And she came on. And when she did, I said, have you done any triathlons lately? And she said, well, yes. And I won. And I said, oh, my gosh. And later she texted me and said, thank you so much for the lovely things you said. Well, the fact that she is a triathlon (laughs) competitor and that's something fascinating and is an accomplice, it made her feel good. She loved that I remembered that. That's a relationship. And I only see that person, generally speaking, at these conferences. But I could not have taken the time to, to find out those things. And then there'd be no extra warmth. And everybody benefited from that conversation and that warmth and connection. One of the tips that I always say, particularly to the women that I work with, is to put something around your desk or around your workspace or in your home that is comment worthy, that's easy for people to comment on. So they find a way of connecting with you, whatever it is. I don't care. Choose. Yeah, that's brilliant because it's funny, but in person, I would say, I just start talking about whatever it strikes me. You know, if somebody yeah. has a piece of jewelry on or interesting shoes or, or whatever, but that's a, that's a great point. You know, I'm looking around to see what I have that might be comment worthy. Like, <laughs> but as an example, um, there's a piece of art. It's a mirror behind me. And it's not so much a mirror that it's distracting, but if you were going to look for something to comment on, it could be core. Um, again, your flowers are perfect. They, they, they don't mm-hmm. distract and yet, it's a thing of beauty. And if I'm looking for something, I'll see that. That's right. That's right. And there's always a story behind it, especially if you're intentional about what you put there. Okay. All right. So let's now talk about this whole thing about confidence. I know that's your sweet spot. So how do we, what do we do to portray confidence? Let me just start there. Where did we get better at this? Well, I love that you say that. You said, first of all, how do we portray uh, confidence? And I want to make sure that people understand that it does start with projecting it. It's that old psychological as if rule. If you act confident, you will become more confident. So you shouldn't feel disingenuous if you're trying to be confident when you don't truly feel it. A lot of people don't feel it inside until it just becomes more of their nature. But you can learn to be more confident by learning how to project confidence. One of the ways is posture. 
um, you know, I talk with a lot of female executives who in a boardroom, I just, I'm amazed how they close up. Like right now I'm doing it. You can't see, but I've got my legs crossed and I'm sitting tight and I've got my arms around my knee. And I see a lot of people do that. They close down, opening up and just making yourself bigger in your space is always going to project more authority and confidence. Confidence makes people want to follow you. Speaking up, that takes some practice. People are shy and they don't like to jump in. You'll have to physically write down, I'm going to do this. Come up with one thing you want to say in a meeting and and just train yourself like, I am going to say this one thing. And then next time, I'm going to say two things and just find a place to do it. It's scary, but no one's going to say, wow, that person didn't have said anything. They want engagement. And the more you do it, the less scary it is. There's something to be said also for emulating somebody that you think is confident, imitating. We learn that way. We can, we can act that way. If there's somebody that you admire and you think, wow, they really project confidence, start noticing what it is about them. Wanda, whatever you're wearing right now, it looks so classy, classic, classy, professional. Your whole appearance is so chic. And there's confidence in that, in just that you look like you took time to pick something and it's powerful. And yet it's not, again, distracting. Um, I would say somebody should follow some of your tactics and the way you come across um, not being afraid to speak loudly. Um, Right now, virtually, it's a great idea to get a lapel mic. It's a cheap upgrade. I'm wearing a lapel mic right now and it's just right there on my, my blouse. And the difference in sound quality is huge if you have an actual microphone versus using the microphone in your computer. Well, you're going to sound more confident if I can hear you more strongly, if I can hear more loudly. When I'm teaching someone to be a better public speaker, volume is one of the first things I do. I tell you, if you increase your volume, you're definitely going to sound more authoritative. For virtual reference, I'd say just increase the sound quality and you're going to sound more confident. Yeah, and that whole having to project and fill the room so that you're, you know, everybody in the back of the room can hear you when you don't have a microphone in the real life face-to-face settings. Right. Struggling for the words to describe that, what was normal (laughs) anymore. That is gone. I don't have to fill the room. All I have to do is to get a good microphone at the moment and make that easy to do. Okay, great. You can have confidence also. Think about how you feel when you're wearing something that you like that you're comfortable in, but that also maybe you feel you look good in. Again, I'm shocked when I go into these meetings. I I think everybody wants to be a virtually impactful person. So I'm thinking everybody would take time to make that they don't. And I think we get complacent because Mm -hmm. so many meetings or we're home, you know, that's the whole thing. Now, what's your upper wear? You know, what are you wearing from the waist up? I was on a virtual call uh, with someone not that long ago. And I said, you look so terrific. And she pulled back and she actually had a skirt and heels on. And I said, wow, I haven't seen heels in seven months. But, you know, she said, it makes me feel good. Right. So whatever does make you feel better about yourself, put that into a meeting and you're going to definitely come across as more confident. And don't be afraid to ask questions because a lot of people don't. Um, They're afraid they'll look foolish or they should know something. But it takes confidence to feel comfortable asking a question. So maybe that's the one thing you're going to say in that meeting is be the person to ask the first question. Okay. 
All right. So there's a bit of dress in a way that makes you comfortable and feeling confident. And I don't mean comfortable as in wearing your sweatpants and your sweatshirt. I mean, professional Mm -hmm. and looking confident. Then we have this thing of getting your volume up. So we got the microphone. Yes. Okay. We got the lighting so that you look good. We've got all the rest of the settings so that you can feel comfortable in the environment that you're in. And then we've got the take the time to think about what you're going to say so that you actually have something to say. All right. Now, I hear people all the time say, well, I don't want to sound stupid. Oh, sure. That's the fear of being judged is probably the number one fear that keeps people from wanting to be a public speaker. You probably know that when questioned, they've proven that most people would choose death over having to get up on a stage and address a group. And now you don't get a choice. That's how you're meeting. Um, so it is scary. People are afraid of being judged. And honestly, practice is what's going to make the difference with that. Getting out there and keep your camera on. Force yourself to keep your camera on because you want people to see you. If you want a presence, boy, oh boy. My husband was recently um, on a call and it was a really important call. And he got ready and he said, you know, I'm going to put my camera on. I said, well, of course, yes. And he said, you know, I think all the time. Yes, absolutely. Because 16 people just are a name up there. But why not be the person that they can see and remember? I had this morning, I was doing a conference call with a client. Okay, so they've decided that they're hiring me. Thank heavens. I'm really pleased to hear that. And I have four people on the other side that I now need to build a relationship with because those are the folks that I'm going to be working with to design this thing. Okay, great. Three of them have their video on and they have their name correctly spelled, correctly identified, so I can remember it. What a great thing. One of them calls in on the phone. So all I have is the phone number. There's no name. There's no video. She said her name so quickly. I have no idea what it was. I will meet her again and have no idea who she is. You know, Wanda, one of my biggest don'ts is don't take a meeting on the phone. I find it disrespectful. I think other people find it disrespectful. If your phone screen is this big, and that's big for a phone screen, You can't possibly see the people who are speaking to you. And Lord, somebody was driving the other day. I was, I was, I was training people and this person called in and I said, oh no, no, no. First of all, you have to be able to look at me so that I can demonstrate and show you things. And you're not going to look at me while you're driving. Go call me when you get home and let's do (laughs) it. But it amazes me. You know, that's like common sense, but people call in on their phone. It shows you're not taking the time. It's not important enough. And like you said, you're not going to recognize that person. I'm not going to remember them. And it would have been so helpful just to have the spelling of the name there correctly done. I notice people sometimes don't bother, but man, those are all signals that say, I'm yeah. here. I mean to be here. I want you to notice me. Don't ignore me. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Fair enough. Um, what do you find are the mistakes that people make that take away from their sense of confidence? I think how we speak is critical when it comes to confidence. I have uh, an associate who works with me and she's a hugely accomplished broadcaster. She has been, um, and all the shows you've seen over the years, just so talented and so nice. And she came on to start coaching with me and we did some trial sessions so that I could listen in and I couldn't even believe it. 
the amount of times she started giving direction by saying, well, I think what you might want to do and use the word might, and I think it might be this, you know, maybe you want to try this. Well, you don't sound confident, you know, take out the, I think, you know, how about this is the way it is. You're terrific. Or you've got a little work to do in this area, but I think makes it sound like you're not certain. Mm -hmm. Sounding certain is really key to sounding confident. And I think the number one mistake people make is they put a disclaimer in, in case they're not right, Right. or in case they feel, you know, comfortable. Well, this might not be right, but haven't you even heard those exact words? I'm not sure if this is um, the right answer, but no, no, just say it, you know, and that would clean up a lot of non-confident speaking right away. I'm going to just say my favorite pet peeve is I haven't really thought about this, but Why? in which I oh say, don't God. even speak. Like, don't even say anything. <laughs> Why would people admit that? <laughs> I was being interviewed once, you know, um, I, I was on a television show um, and had the for- good fortune of being on the side of people being interviewed um, as, a, a, as an actress. And I remember walking in. Um, and sitting down for one of these junkets where I was going to be interviewed. And the first thing the reporter said was, I haven't seen the show yet, but I, I heard it's hilarious. And because I teach this, I teach my students and my clients, you never go into an interview without at least reading the book or reading cliff notes or watching the show. How disrespectful. So that person lost me a hello. <laughs> I was like, oh, haven't seen it. <laughs> well, I guess this was important to you today. <laughs> Well, at a minimum, you don't want to admit that. Oh, no, of course. Exactly. So, you know, the confidence and, and um, you know, that you're, you're sure of something. All of us have insecurity about some things, and that's okay. But just as a general rule, uh, you can show more confidence by the words you choose. Again, speaking up in general shows more confidence. And here's something I learned a long time ago. I was in my early 20s and I had my first company. It was a promotional marketing firm and I was working with restaurants and I, you know, 23 years old, met with this mogul, this restaurant mogul. And um, he asked me a question and said, I think I want to do this. And I said, no, don't do that. And he went, what? And I said, I just think it's better if you do this. Here's how you're going to spend your money and it's going to have this return. And he said, do you know how many people question me or challenge me? No, he said, no one. And he said, you're hired. Because nobody, he, people just say yes. Oh, I'll go along with that. Sometimes braving to be different, even if somebody doesn't take you up in your suggestion, shows confidence. Oops. <laughs> We're going to have to edit that one out in the post-production. Sorry about that one. I was trying to send a message and it's not working out very well. All right. (laughs) No worries. Okay. We got it there. Sorry about that one. We will edit that out. Um, Yes. That willingness to say, to state what you think and to be clear about what you think and even to be direct, not rude, but to direct with your opinion, I find so few people do, and it carries so much weight when you can say it. Oh, 100%. Um, right. Think about when you go to get a haircut, and the person comes up and says, well, what do you want to do? And you're like, um, I want to look good. So what do you <laughs> recommend? They're like, well, you know, but when, you, when someone walks up and says, I think you would look so great with shorter hair, and we could try this, you, their confidence becomes yours. 
And that's why we follow people with confidence. That's why they become leaders because their assuredness becomes ours. If they're confident in what they're doing, we're confident in what they're doing. And confidence is contagious. Confidence breeds confidence. That's yeah, especially if you're leading, if you don't have confidence, it's hard to instill confidence in the people underneath you. I just have to do this, and then I'm going to ask a question for you about personal story. But I also find that um, if I'm, and I've lost my train of thought on that one too. Oh, well, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> that happens. And what's beautiful is you just said that, and we're human. And when people are afraid of getting judged, that type of brain blip will level them. They'll just feel hot and embarrassed, and maybe flushed. And the truth is, all you have to do is go, well, it's like when we do live television. We always have to say, well, it's live television, folks. So (laughs) right now, we're just real. That happens. That happens. Everybody has that. All right. Well, I am now going to pivot to the thing that I was going to say at the very end, which is I like to ask people who are on the show about a time you've had to get out of your comfort zone, since that's the title of the show. And I want to know what was the secret? What helped you survive, thrive, when, whatever the story is, when you were out of your comfort zone? I have so many times, especially now with technology and a recent podcast of mine, uh, it's called Technology because I was so frustrated. But I think the way you just worded that, I want to put it into professional context. I had been an entertainment reporter and I was a good entertainment reporter. I knew Hollywood. I knew the people. um, And then I went into news. I wanted to get into a national morning show position. So I did some local news um, and that was a little intimidating. But when I really got out of my comfort zone is when I got the audition with the Fox News channel. Because A, most of my background had been in entertainment news. B, I had done some local news, but local news is if you're in Los Angeles, you're covering Los Angeles, right? International, real news, breaking news terrified me. And before I went on, I thought, well, if there's breaking news, because they audition you live, you're not like auditioned and nobody sees it. You go on and work. So on the event that, you know, in the event that something happens overseas, I better darn well know where a country is located, um, what the religion is for those people and what the politics are, who the people are in case I have to narrate. So I was terrified. But like every time I'm terrified, I try to remove as many of the unknowns as possible. So I made my own course. I still have the, the file folder, the huge box of the file folder. And I just made a list of all the different countries. I made a list of all their leaders, you know, that type of thing. And I put it on walls and I put it on flashcards. And I went back to remedial learning. When you're growing up, you have to learn things that are new. Well, this was new for me and it increased my confidence. I went on, I got the job um, was I terrified still? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> and all I could do is try to keep as prepared as possible, be as up on news as possible, 24-7, live, eat, and breathe it, um, and also watch others. You know, going into more traditional news, straight news, just news, um, after doing entertainment, I would find somebody I thought was talented and watch and try to learn their cadence and see what they did that I like. So everything I'm preaching to you, I have done. You've done. I love it. I love it. I love that notion of preparation for what might happen. 
so that you're not caught off guard as a way of getting comfortable and confident. Okay, Suzanne, sadly, we're out of time. So Suzanne Senna is my guest today. She runs Senna Series Media Training and tune into our podcast, The Confidence Connection, Building Trust in a Virtual World. Suzanne, fabulous tips in here, particularly physical delivery, content, and psychology. I think if you keep those four in mind, we've got it all covered. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much, Wanda. It's been great. And check out our new subscription service on outofthecomfortzone.com. Thank you for joining us today. Tune in for another edition next week with Dr. Wanda Wallace on the Voice America Business Channel. Reach outside your comfort zone this week. 